Growing up, there was nothing like a good, unexplainable horror story to freak me out. What's scarier than the unknown? I mean, as human beings, what freaks us out more than what we don't know? Well, these stories are going to be that. From ghost encounters, to unexplained happenings, to strange things that you just don't know how to put into words, these stories will truly freak you out. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you want to hear where did you get that this holiday season, Uncommon Goods is your secret weapon. Uncommon Goods is here to make your holiday shopping stress-free by scouring the globe for the most remarkable and truly unique gifts for everyone on your list. Whether you're shopping for your secret Santa or your entire family, Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. Here's a few of my favorite gifts I found on their site. I really enjoy the murder mystery jigsaw puzzles. They have various ones on the site, and they're all really affordable, and they're a lot of fun. Plus, who doesn't love a good murder mystery? The one that I've been doing recently is the Clairvoyance Convention. It's a 500-piece puzzle, and it's been taking me some time, but it's a lot of fun. I also enjoyed the at-home murder mystery games. The theater edition has been a lot of fun as well. They have other ones like mobster crime-solving ones, and different various games like that, and it's a lot of fun with the family and friends during the holidays. When you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. These fine products are often made in small batches, so shop now before they sell out this holiday season. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the United States. They have the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. So, what are you waiting for? Join me and many others in the swamp today. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash swamped. That's uncommongoods.com slash swamped for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited-time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. A Strange Note I Found by... Tana C. I found this note while exploring an old abandoned building in my town. I wasn't sure what to do with it, so I typed it out and figured I'd send it into the dark swamp. Here it is. I want to start by saying I have always been skeptical of all things supernatural and otherworldly. That said, I'd be a fool to deny the presence of something evil at my job. I am Ryan, a 26-year-old man from the Lower Peninsula of Michigan. I've worked at my current job at a farmer's market for the last eight years. I've always loved working outside with the plants in the summer and the Christmas trees in the spring. It feels like where I belong, but lately, something weird has been happening. It started about two months ago right about when the sun started going down before closing time. I started hearing this... Well, if I'm honest with you, I don't even know what to call it. It was like a scratching, I guess. It's like the sound of metal against metal, but more like knives against metal if you know what I mean. Like if Wolverine from X-Men took his claws out and ran them down the side of a shipping container. I'd never heard a sound more bone-chilling in my life. For a while... I thought it was maybe just in my head, just my brain trying to fill the silence of a slow day. 
One day, my coworker Leanna mentioned hearing the same scratching noise around closing time a few months ago. This had been going on for quite some time at this point, and finally, we couldn't take it. So, we took the problem to our boss, John. He and a few other workers had also heard the sound, and he planned to check it out that night. So, after we closed, John stayed behind to check out the sound, thinking it'd be taken care of by morning. But when the sun dawned the next day, and I opened the store, John was nowhere to be found. I called the cell phone, but he didn't answer. And this was incredibly unlike him. Seeing as he owned a business, morning came and went, and eventually the sun began to set again. Still, no one heard from John that day, and no one would ever hear from him again. On the night following that day, the beast in the vent seemed more antsy than usual, and I had a bad feeling about John's safety. Nevertheless, my coworker Dale decided to be a hero and go into the air ducts looking for John. As expected, Dale never returned. Now I know what you're thinking. Why hasn't this guy called the freaking police? Well, if I were to call the police and say a creature in the vents of my building is taking my coworkers one by one, doing God knows what to them, they'd probably think I'm crazy and probably blame me for the disappearances. So, that wasn't even an option. About a week later, I finally had my first morning off. It had been too long since I got to sleep in, and as I was looking forward to a stress-free slow morning, I woke up around 10.30 and made some eggs for me and my dog Waylon, a 10-year-old border collie who still acts like a puppy. I took Waylon for a walk through the neighborhood and he played in the leaves like he often does this time of year. Overall, it was an excellent start to the day. I got to work around 3 and when I arrived, Amelia's car was parked in her spot, but she was missing. I frantically searched the whole store, hoping she would be reorganizing in a place she usually wasn't. However, my hopes were crushed after the whole building was scoured twice, and Amelia was nowhere to be found. My heart sank to my stomach as I realized what had happened. Amelia had most likely heard the beast scratching this morning and went to check on it for herself. Lena got to work around 3.30 and asked me where Amelia was, making some jokes about how she was always leaving early. But I swear I saw her stupid sticker cover car when I got here, Lena questioned. Yeah, about that. I think she heard the scratching and went to check it out alone, I replied. Oh, shoot. Well, now I feel bad about the comment on her car, Lena said, trying to put a lighthearted spin on the situation. Lena has always been a little slow but fearless, but when she suggested that our friends were playing a prank on us to get out of work, I wasn't really surprised. I'm just going to go up there and bust them, she said eagerly. I begged her not to go knowing that her fate awaited her in the vents, but she persisted. She crawled up into the ducks, and that's the last time I saw her. As I'm writing this, it's my turn to go into the vent to rescue my friends. I know what the vent holds for me. But I couldn't go, I couldn't honestly live any further with the guilt of not trying to save my coworkers. So I'm writing this as a warning to whoever finds this note stay away from this building, for it isn't owned by Jonathan Settersville anymore. The beast holds it. That's the end of the letter that I found. I'm not exactly sure what to do with this information. Should I call the police? I don't even know. Hopefully, 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 
It's not real. Small Town Haunting by Lynn Dear Swamp Dweller, I've been listening to your stories for a while. I finally got the courage to share my own. Mind you, the story at the beginning will be a bit hazy, as it happened to me when I was five. But as my story goes on, because it continued until I was 22, it will become much clearer. When I was growing up, I lived in a small town in Ohio. To protect my family and friends, their names will be changed. Now, I have an older sister who I will call Lucy. We live in a small trailer outside of a small town literally in the middle of nowhere. It would take us 20 minutes to get to any major stores. One night, my sister Lucy was inviting her friend who I will call Jesse over to spend the night and have a sleepover. At the time, me and my sister had shared a room. Jesse was one of my sister's odd friends. She was gothic and into creepy stuff. Not to say there's anything wrong with that, but I was just kind of off put by it at the time. So, she had brought over a Ouija board. Me being five years old, not understanding the significance of it, I thought it was just some kind of board game. Well, later that night, I want to say sometime around midnight, my sister Lucy and her friend Jesse pulled out the Ouija board and told me to go to bed. After putting a ring of salt around my bed and around them saying it would protect us. Well, being a little kid, I wanted to see what the big kids were doing. They turned off all the lights and lit a couple of candles. Both sat cross-legged on the floor with their hands on the indicator. Now, I'm not really sure what it's called. Then, they started asking questions. Within a few minutes, they started receiving answers. Both did the normal reaction, which was, Did you move it? And they kept blaming each other. After a few minutes, they realized that neither one of them were doing it, and there was an outside force moving it. At one point, whatever was doing it asked them to both lay on the floor. I remember this very clearly. Maybe about five to ten seconds after they laid on the floor, I saw a red orb and white orb enter the room. I was so confused, and I had no idea what was going on. Then, as I watched from my bed, I saw the red orb enter my sister, and the white orb enter Jesse. For a few moments, nothing happened. Neither one of them moved. Then it was like all hell broke loose. Dark shadow figures swarmed over me in my bed. I started to scream. My mother heard all the commotion, and when she came in, I was being lifted off the bed by my hair. My sister and her friend were stuck to the floor and could not move. My mother started chanting something. I couldn't for the life of me tell you what it was that she said. But whatever it was, it worked. I felt my bed and my sister and her friend both sat at the same time. My mother looked at them and then looked at me. She saw the Ouija board on the floor and asked my sister and her friend what they had done. When neither one of them would answer, she asked me. I told her what I saw and what had happened. My mother was angry at my sister and her friend. She took the Ouija board away and went outside to burn it. As I would later learn, that is not the thing to do. For ten years after that, nothing happened. My parents had bought a double-wide trailer and put in a basement foundation to make it look like a real home. When building all of this, we had a lot of problems. The biggest problem that I could remember when we were doing the basement foundation and the back wall of the foundation, it fell in. We chalked it up to nothing but natural occurrences, but it kept happening. 
and it was a pain in the butt to get it to stay up. I don't even remember what they ended up doing to make sure it didn't happen again. The year I turned 15, my mother had gone to an antique store and bought an antique mirror. She hung it above a 55-gallon aquarium. One day, me, my sister, and my mother were sitting in the dining room. We were all talking about mundane things about our lives. All of a sudden, we heard something running through the house and then a child's laughter, and then my bedroom door slammed. Me and my mother and my sister both looked at each other in shock and horror. We had no idea what had just happened. Things continued to get worse from there. There was one morning during the summer I had woken up late from staying up all night. My mother had been working a 70-hour work week and had the day off, so she was sleeping in too. When I walked out into the kitchen, I screamed because all the cabinet doors were open and all the dishes were stacked on the counters. It was insane because there were like canned vegetables on top of them, balanced in ways that were just not natural. This was stacked in a way that would be extremely odd for any human being to do. When my mother heard the scream, she came out of her bedroom and saw what had happened. She had started to put the pieces together, so she did her best to seek help. She talked to my father about it. My father was a skeptic and he had never really, you know, witnessed any of these events, so I don't really think he believed in any such thing. This ends up in an argument between the two of them. Eventually, my mother just waited until he was away for work to go to a Wicca priestess to ask for help. The priestess gave her things to bless the house with. She sent me away to one of my friends and called my sister over who had moved out a while back for some help. I do not know the events that occurred that night. I do not know what really went down, but for at least a year, things were okay after that. Until one night, I was in the living room. The way our living room was set up was that we had one large couch, which was set up against the window, next to an end table. On the other end was another end table and a love seat, so it was shaped like an L, with the coffee table in the middle. Next to the other end table, at the end of the large couch, was the TV stand. We also had a fireplace in the living room, which was across from the large couch directly opposite. It was a weekend, and I was working on a project for school. My parents were out grocery shopping, so I sat at the coffee table on the floor, working on my project, while watching TV with my back to the fireplace. Suddenly, I got the strange feeling like something was watching me. I started looking around, and then I looked at the fireplace. I noticed movement in the fireplace. As I kept on looking at the fireplace intently, I noticed a face. Whatever this thing was, had scraggly hair with cat-like eyes that were green in the most demonic smile I could ever imagine. It had what looked like alligator teeth. I was so entranced by it, I kept on staring at it, and then I decided to draw it. It moved its head back and forth, and finally, it said something to me. It said, I've been with you for many years, and I will never leave. Even when you think I'm gone, I'll still be there. At this point, being scared out of my mind, I ran to grab my house phone and called my mother and told her she needed to get home now. When her and my father got home, they asked me what I was doing in their bedroom. They could see me from the window while they were driving up the driveway. I told them I hadn't even left the living room. I was too scared to move. My parents did not believe me because my mother got upset and told me I shouldn't be telling stories. Two weeks after this event was when things really got bad. 
My father was away on work again. Me and my mother were sitting in the living room watching TV together. As we were watching TV, we started hearing bangs on our front door. My mother went to check on what it was, and there was no one there. She sat back down and started watching TV with me again. Then we heard footsteps running across the house from my bedroom to their bedroom and the door slamming. The laughter of a child followed it again. Me and my mother both looked shocked to each other. The cabinet doors in the kitchen all started opening and closing and banging hard like somebody was angry. The mirror above the fish tank started vibrating and banging off the wall. At this moment, me and my mother both stood up and ran for her bedroom. She went to her side table and pulled out sage candles and the Bible. She lit the candles and the sage and started repeating a verse from the Bible. I started to become angry and felt sick all of a sudden. After about 20 minutes of her just repeating the verses, everything stopped. She asked me if I was okay, to which I replied I did not feel very well. She put her hand on my forehead and realized I was burning up. A few hours later, after we cleaned up everything, I felt fine. The fever was gone. Many years later, I'd entered a bad relationship. When I was around 22, me and my ex decided to go on a night drive. It'd been raining for quite a few days and we wanted to get out of the house. We were coming down a steep hill and all of a sudden, something was before us. When I say something, I knew exactly what it was. It was the same scraggly figure I had seen in my fireplace all those years ago. But this time it had a body and it was about six foot tall and it had long claws for hands. My ex slammed on the brakes to try to avoid it and we swerved past it. It reached out towards the car, trying to scratch out at us. Our tires blew out, and he started swerving uncontrollably down a hill with a curved bottom with an embankment. We went over the embankment, and we landed on a bush allowing us to land softly, luckily. My exit hit his head on the window on the driver's side. I had been wearing my seatbelt and was not injured too bad. He was unconscious for roughly five minutes. Well, I was trying to get out of the car to get help, we landed on the opposite side, so the only way out of the car was through my door on the passenger side. When he finally came to, he helps me open the passenger door and climb out. Mind you, in this moment we were both in shock. He decided he was going to walk back to his house and pull the car out with his truck. He told me to stay there and wait. As I did, the figure appeared again, this time within ten feet of me. It spoke without moving its mouth with that same demonic smile. I believe it was trying to say something to me, but I couldn't decipher it this time. My ex started coming down the hill with his truck. When the light hit the figure, it disappeared. I didn't tell him what happened. I was too scared and I thought I was still in shock. A few months later, me and him broke up. I have not seen him since, although I have heard about him. And things in his life have gone bad. I don't know if it was the creature's doing or if it was just karma. I do know when I speak about these events that they send chills down my spine. I have not seen the figure since that day. I pray that I never will again. I don't know if it came from the Ouija board or not, but I refuse to have one in my home or around me. Sorry this was long-winded, but this really did happen. I hope you decide to share this on your show. I love listening to your stories and hope you continue with it. My Friend, Miv, by Anonymous. 
I've always wanted to share this story. I've heard many paranormal stories and there's always a little voice of doubt in terms of the storyteller's authenticity. But while these events didn't happen to me, they did happen to someone I was very close with and contain a few elements of corroboration. It's important for me to get a feeling for honesty when listening to a story that defies scientific belief. So, for what it's worth, this is an honest account. First, a little backstory. Miv was a fascinating woman. She was one of my best friends, which is a little odd because I met her when I was about 18 years old, and she was in her middle ages. I was a young guy into motorcycles and rock music. I played guitar and was into horror movies and working out. As a contrast, she was short, dumpy, had thin greasy hair, a walking stick, and wore thick bottle rim glasses. She was never without a cigarette in her hand, and her ashtray was always full. However, she was an unbelievable, astute, and wise woman, to the point where she was like a wise old oracle to me and my hippie friends. There was never a personal problem she could not fix with a few gentle words. I would often go to her tall, slightly creepy Victorian terrace house, and we would sit in her favorite room and chat philosophically. The air full of smoke and surrounded by dusty antiques and the odd stuffed bird. Her husband was, by all accounts, a wretched man. His nickname, by all, was The Wizard. Their house was pretty much all wood floors, narrow but tall. He wore an orthopedic shoe, known colloquially as a club foot. You'd hear him coming and clomping down the wood stairs from a mile away. As his nickname suggested, he had long gray hair and a little goatee that resembled a stereotypical devil. He always wore a gray suit and had wild staring eyes. He didn't seem altogether and right in his mind. That was apparent during any conversation you would have with him. I don't mean he was like crazy, more like he was old, significantly older than Miv, and his mind was just a little aged. When he was younger, he also gained a reputation for black magic. One brief account I heard was that there was a black magic circle known for their dark deeds, something like the Golden Dawn or something like that. Well, they wouldn't let him join because he was too dark. Suffice to say, he was probably into summoning things. Anyway, over the years before Miv died, we became very close, and I heard all kind of cool stories. The story I'm about to recount is, I guess, not so cool. At least not for her. But it's an interesting one. Years ago, when she and her husband were living in South Wales in the UK, they lived in a similar house to the one that I knew that she lived in. A tall, slightly spooky, aren't they all, Victorian terrace house. These houses were usually three stories, maybe a basement. I've lived in one myself, and they're inherently spooky, which kind of sets the tone. At the time, Miv and the wizard had just had their first child, who would grow up to become one of my best friends about 24 years later. She had also, she had also, not too terribly long ago, come out of a brief stint in a nun's convent, so she was very religious. With that came certain beliefs and attitudes which would soon be very much tested to breaking points. I'm not able to be exact with the timeline here, but Miv told me that she started hearing voices, distant at first, in the house, when no one was around. As if often the case in many of these stories, she shrugged it off and ignored it as best she could, but then the voices started to address her directly. Now at this stage, she recalls being very worried that she was in fact unwell, 
and her biggest fear was that her son would get taken away from her due to her inability to take care of him. So, she told no one. The voices got worse and eventually would start saying things like, We're going to drive you mad. And she would say things like that, and so forth. If that wasn't enough, though, she would soon start to see a dark, shadowy figure at the top of the stairs. She told me that it would always appear in such a way that as you turned to look to see if there was something there, you'd almost stumble at the top of these steps and fall to your death. Still, she refused to talk about it. In her mind, and with her religious beliefs, there was no room for ghosts to exist, so it was a subjective phenomenon, and she was indeed losing her marbles. In this house, they had a cleaner. The cleaner would always leave the front door wide open when she was cleaning the stairs in the hall. Miv assumed it was to get fresh air, maybe to help dry the floor. One day, when it was cold, Miv questioned her. Why do you keep that door open? It's so cold. Her response changed Miv's life at this point. She said, It's so if that dark thing at the top of the stairs comes for me, I can get out of here right quickly. Again, bear in mind that Miv had not told anyone about this phenomenon. One day, she had a friend over. The friend was a big, burly, tough woman who stood no nonsense. She didn't believe in any of this supernatural rubbish and was not afraid of ghosts. After sitting in their living room and this lady giving Miv something of telling her off for being so silly and superstitious, the lady got up to go to the bathroom. She came back a moment later, her face white. You okay? said Miv. Can you come with me? replied the lady. Because you don't know where the bathroom is? No, because I'm not going up there on my own with that dark shadow. Another story shared with me was that Miv was bathing her son in the upstairs bathroom when someone knocked on the front door to the house. She yelled down to them, and it turned out to be a friend, so she shouted for him to come up and that she was in the bathroom. She heard him walk up the stairs. He then suddenly broke into a sprint, came running into the bathroom, threw his arms around Miv, and clung to her like a baby, terrified of what he had just seen. Eventually... It all came to a head when this entity started to entice her into something more sinister. She recalls hearing the voices beckoning her upstairs to the dark top floor bedroom. The weird thing here, and what's hard to explain, if only because I don't quite understand it, is that she felt compelled to obey. It got her up the stairs. She would stop. She would resist, and it would gently insist that she continues upward. And again, she would obey against her will. This happened all the way until she got to the bedroom with the lights out. If I recall correctly, the thing asked her to turn the lights out, and she at first said no, but again it insisted. This is crazy, I know. It eventually got her to lie down on the bed. Laying there in the dark, she then described how this entity began to assert itself onto and into her body. She described it like assault, but through her pores if that makes any sense. She began an internal struggle at this stage, and in that struggle was able to draw some willpower to call out the name of Jesus or something like that. I forgot whether she said a small prayer, but some form of religious statement, and the thing went away instantly. I'm sure there are many other anecdotes. The other friends in our circle know of these stories too and have probably heard their own tales, so I may be missing a few key pieces. All I know is that they shortly moved out of that house. Now, one thing that does stand out as interesting 
After discussing the story with a mutual friend who knew Miv for years before I met her, he told me that she'd also said this to him, but around that time that they left the house for good, she saw the wizard kneeling and burying something, and it was thought that he was doing something. Whatever he was doing, though, resembled a closing ceremony for when someone summons a demon. I know some of this won't make any sense, and I don't really expect it to. Why would you stay married to someone that evil, though? I asked myself that question. In fact, you know something? I asked her that same question at least once. She took a long drag on her cigarette, gave a long, slow shrug as she exhaled, and said something about feeling sorry for him. The whole dynamic will have me scratching my head. Miv was incredibly wise in some ways, and yet nonsensical in other ways, but there seemed to be more to that family story than meets the eye. Eventually, they would have a daughter, who was born physically and mentally disabled. The daughter is only surviving family of the member now. My friend, her son, died of cancer about seven years after I met both him and his mother. The wizard died around that same time, too, and Miv, heartbroken over the death of her son, died just two years after we buried him. She used to say, When I die, I'm going to haunt you, in her usual playful way. Eyes twinkling, taking a drag of a cigarette. She meant to come back and give me a clue about the other side. After attending her son's funeral, I was walking on the waterfront of my hometown. I was thinking about them both, and I felt tearful. I sat on the seawall and spoke to her. I asked her why she didn't come to me to show me any evidence of the other side. I concluded, well, maybe she tried, but I can't see it. Maybe I can only see what I can only see. I stood up to walk away, and something compelled me, I don't know what or why, to look down where I was sitting. There, etched into the very slab of concrete I was sitting on, was the first, initial, and the last name of her son, who we had buried two days before. Creepy Vehicle Encounter by Anonymous So this story just happened to me. It's not super glamorous or anything concerning, and it's definitely creepy. I think it's worthy of going on the show. A bit of clarity. This happened on the road. I drive a little red mini hatchback and I am a male. I was coming home from a friend's house, and it's a lovely moonlit night where I live, and I'm a massive fan of taking photos of creepy back roads at night like headlights lighting up the cross section or a stop sign. It's just a weird little hobby, but I always make sure no street names or dresses appear in them. But I digress. After a late night of playing Magic the Gathering, I was driving home from a friend's house and decided to take an old dirt road home instead of the main highway. The old dirt road cuts through most of the country and goes through the county, but no one usually takes it because it's hardly maintained. The old dirt road is something out of a horror movie, so I grabbed some shots of it on my way through, and, you know, as I was doing this, a large truck pulled off on another side of the road. I didn't think anything of it at first and thought it might have been an officer out on patrol. It was about 1am at this point, and police will regularly patrol some of these more unused backcountry roads from time to time, at least from my experience. I couldn't make out the vehicle well other than it was a truck, Black paint, I do believe, and one of those four-light setups on the front when you have had cattle or a ramp bar system installed. Eventually, I got to the old dirt road and turned down it, 
and noticed in my rear view that the car had also turned down the road as well, and then had pulled off to the side. I didn't think anything of it, figuring that they lived down this road or figuring they were trying to get some sort of signal on their smartphone. Then they started driving in the same direction as me once more. When they closed the distance of about 13 yards or so, they slowed down again. Call, call me a bit paranoid, call me a bit, you know, anxiety-ridden, whatever, but you get an eerie feeling when a car follows you down a nearly abandoned road at 1am. I neared an intersection and decided to turn instead of following the dirt road and head back towards the highway. I was starting to get that gut feeling that something just wasn't right here. I don't know how to explain it. But it's like a knot in the abdomen mixed with anxiety or nervousness. I drew my knife. I kept it with me for emergencies and it sat in my car seat next to me. I am genuinely unsure of what I would have done with that or how much good it really would have done in a situation at all, but it did make me feel better. Once I turned off the dirt road, I gunned it for about 2 miles at about 70 miles per hour going to the stop sign where I could have turned back onto the highway. I looked in my rearview mirror and there the truck was. They blasted it to catch up with me and gunned it before slamming on my brakes and stopping only about a foot away from my bumper. I freaked out, grabbed my knife, and just sat there for a second. It felt like several minutes, but wasn't, before turning onto the freeway. The truck was sat there before pulling onto the highway a while, crossing and turning around, sitting there before heading back down where it had come from. I got home just fine, a bit shaken up, but ultimately okay. Compared to some people's tales I've heard on this show, it's not that scary. The whole thing had me instantly thinking of the other stories I've heard on your show, though, Swamp Dweller. And if you decide to share this, thank you so much. I, I had this very crazy feeling of almost excitement when I felt the danger. But after I was done with this whole situation, I felt so drained and very tired. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true unexplained horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. If you enjoyed these stories, be sure to slap that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it, and that helps the swamp grow its ever-expanding waters. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications to not miss new episodes as I upload them nearly every single day in all things natural and supernatural. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and pretty much everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. It's absolutely free and always will be. I'd love to know in the comments down below what your favorite story was tonight. It helps me pick better ones in the future, and it's just cool to see what stories you're enjoying. Thank you guys, as always, for supporting the swamp the way you do. I couldn't do this on a daily basis without you guys. I'll see you soon with another creepy episode.